been binging the crown i was up till three <laughs> really oh, i'm liking this season <laughs> what an anglophile you are uh, i love downton abbey and everybody from downton abbey is now on the crown and the queen's a real bitch this year and diana 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 can somebody <laughs> finally say it what how spoiled oh i know i mean the whole thing how well, feckless all, is this group of people all royals yeah no i know that's why we like them, right? Yeah. We like to watch spoiled people. Right, we'll, Karen? We'll give you yachts and shit if you just let us make funny. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's how the deal works. They know that. Speaking of the princess, good morning, Karen. I didn't, I, I didn't imagine you as a Downton Abbey kind of person, Charlie. That Loved was, it! No. <laughs> I didn't tapped. know that. Well, look, it's nice. It's breezy. It's romantic. It's sad. It's, you know many many parallel plot lines I, 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 yeah you know i it, it can't all be it's the have and the have nots that's why it's a good story and i i, I just really love when the have nots start to have exactly. and then they really struggle with themselves and they always give it up and become the haves exactly yeah i like, love it wouldn't, the ira wouldn't that be nice if we could that here wouldn't that be nice if we could oh here in america good. yeah if we could all sell yeah. out <laughs> <laughs> Hire me, Mr. Mayor. Hire me. Speaking of uh, speaking of being hired, hopefully, you know, after we give you a word from our friends and underwriters, Luke Nowacki and David Hall, we're trying to get Chief Craig uh, in his car. Y'all famously remember Chief James Craig of Detroit Police, where Detroit did not burn. <laughs> He's a cop during the 2020 summer of Floyd. Apparently, he's on his way to Lansing or something. Some some kind of jobs in the works. Uh, rumors out there that he wants to be the chairman of the Republican Party. That's interesting. So hopefully we, we check in with him, see what the state of the Bazonkers Michigan Republican Party is. Uh, also, just um, talk about the police contracts, Karen. I think something something's funny going on with the money in Detroit. You think, Charlie? I that's what, what else is new? <laughs> I'm talking to talking to the queen of the scene. You know, and I got a feeling you know something, because that that was weird. What happened with this contract? Are we going to have more police? And finally, a major scandal on Wall Street. Well, I don't know if it's Wall Street, but. I guess it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's a financial scandal, right? It's a huge financial scandal. You know, cryptocurrency with a Michigan political angle. That no one's talking about. It is nasty. A double Michigan political angle. That's right, yeah. That nobody's talking about. Um, But first, I'm trying to get a hold of Luke Nowacki on that one, see what he knows about FTX. He's very busy strategizing on your behalf. Um, Remember, the market's up again. What did you do? Did, I can't tell you the advice that Luke gave me, but I know I don't have any cryptocurrency. And I, I know who I'm calling when I need rational financial advice. Who's that? The guy that told me about the I-bond. Yes. That would be Luke Nowacki at uh, 248-663-4748 at Pinnacle Wealth. The guy's good. The guy's human. The guy cares about you. He'll sit down and fashion a financial strategy for you because that depends on how old you are what your risk uh stomach is like it's a lot of things what that go- goals that go- are yeah yeah what yeah. goals are you have kids are you starting to retire it is really important right and you don't get charged for calling the guy it's 248-663-4748 
rational financial advice. Do not overreact, people. And also, David Hall at Hall Financial. I'm I'm not even going to read this. I'm going to... David, trust me. First of all, callhallfirst.com or 866-CALL-HALL. We're talking mortgages now. Now, you know you can get the equity out of your house if that's where you're at. But now I'm talking to people who want a house. They're waiting. There's housing stock available now, pre-existing housing stock. The prices are coming down. And, Mark, yes. what did interest rates do over the last week? The mortgage rates are down. Like over, a half a percent. Because of what happened on Thursday. Which with, inflation uh, wasn't inflation, as bad as, as, as they thought it was going to be. Right. Yeah. So naturally, so if you're Walls- waiting on the sideline for a little while, maybe now's the time to jump. And let's remind everybody, right? When interest rates go down, mm-hmm. the price goes up. Yeah. Right? <laughs> when the when the when the price goes down, it's probably it's, because the interest rates are going up. It's you, so hard to time it. So just it, it's uh, a good window. Call them and be ready for and, when you're ready to pull the trigger. And look, man, they're not they're not going to run you. Uh, we, we know these people. We know them a long time. They're not going to run you into something. Don't be afraid of them. Yeah. They're there to advise you. That's why they have. Thousands of five-star reviews. That's uh, David Hall Mortgage. Uh, David, uh, call Hall Financial first. 866-CALL-HALL. Or go to callhallfirst.com. Now, now's the time if you've been sitting, my opinion, mm-hmm. at least start gauging. Maybe you gave up on it. Maybe it's the time. Yeah? Yep. Okay. Isn't, um, isn't that kind of almost like jump rope, like double dutch? You know how you have to just kind of wait and you don't know when to jump in and you keep waiting and... At some point, you do just have to jump. You're one of the smartest people I know, one of the most solid families I know, Karen. I mean, you're not a bullshit artist. Isn't it true, though? Like, timing? You have a good life. You've made smart decisions. You you, you must, to realize your dreams, pay attention to things. They don't just come to you, do they? No, they don't. You do. It has to be strategic. But also, I was trying to say that you can't be afraid. You have to take the information and the resources you have access to, you have to make an informed decision, and then you just you, you have to, you have to move forward or else you'll always be where you are. That's fascinating you say that. Just thinking about the first time I bought a house, I was getting transferred by the New York Times to Los Angeles, and I asked my wife, would you, would you, should I take the opportunity? You want to go to Los Angeles? And she said, only if we buy a house. That's what my wife said, and I was too afraid to do it. You know what I mean? Don't really come from a lot, and it's a huge investment and I didn't know. And, and my wife is the one that pushed the family forward. So you're, you're hundred percent right. And if you don't have a good person to partner with in life, I suggest you get one of those two. <laughs> yeah. Call Luke Nowacki. No, call, oh, call, call, call baby like Jesus, call Zach grow. He's looking to hook up and make a nice life with someone. <laughs> well, let's see. Uh, let, let's get his, let's get his photograph up, up here on the, uh, a gun for hire, Chief James Craig, uh, uh, trying to reach him in his car. He's on his way to Lansing to do something. Let's see if we can get it out of him. Well, good morning. We got Chief James Craig, I'm assuming, by that uh, Google Maps talking to him, that uh, you're going somewhere <laughs> somewhere west looking for a job. What you doing this morning? <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going out. I'm always exploring opportunities and uh Right now, I'm trying to navigate through some of the governor's uh, road work. You know, I'm going to fix the damn roads, and candidly, they're not fixed. Well, that that could have been you fixing the damn roads, but uh, right, <laughs> that didn't happen. So you know, now now all the scuttlebutts going around. Uh, have you thrown your one of your hats into the ring for chairman of the state Republican Party? Are you actually going to do that? No, I, I have I have not. As I was uh, indicating, I was evaluating the, the prospect of it. I have some very uh, talented young Republicans who reached out to me about three months ago and really urged me to consider it because they think that there needs to be leadership, unification. And this was anticipation to the slaughter that we saw on Election Day. It was a slot. I mean, but you don't want that job, do you? I mean, the party's just nuts. You've got all the rich donors fighting with, you know, the MAGA base. You've we put three. Uh, oh, well, what do you call them? I mean, three, 
three not not so great candidates at the top of the ticket. I mean, is this party even worth trying to save? I think it's worth saving. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, you know, I've been a public servant uh, all my life. And so I, I get into it, whether it's a, a police chief job or considering governor uh, to make lives better for people. But, but of course, uh, things are a mess. The party's divided. And I'll tell you right now, after talking to some people who I, I trust, uh, that's not something I want to do. However, I'm going to be of assistance, especially to these young Republicans who really are the future of the party. Well, might as well look back. I mean, what happened there? What, like, everybody got wiped out at the top of the ticket. The only one that was ever polling that had a chance to beat Whitmer from the get-go was you. And uh, you never really got the help. You know what I mean? No, I, I didn't get the help. But I, as a critical, uh, I became a threat to, of course, the Democrats. I expected that. I didn't expect that someone from my own party was going to launch the first missile. But then, as you indicated, Charlie, I was uh, consistently outpolling the other GOP candidates. Uh, I also, with the independent voters uh, in two polls that showed me even ahead of Whitmer, I was optimistic. There was momentum. Oh, and another thing, because I think this is a good gauge, you know, not being a self-funded candidate, uh, you know, I out-fundraised uh, everyone else, including the nominee. But... You forgot about the signatures. You didn't know about them. Um, I, I think it's interesting. The the guy, John Yob, who was running your campaign, decides late last winter he's going to jump your campaign. He's going to go to the next guy, the rich guy, Perry Johnson. He goes up in flames with the signatures. And then this John Yob character gets behind Matt DiPerno, the super MAGA, uh, and he gets blown out. Is it is it time to just scrub guys like that and just, just the whole top of this party because I don't think it's got a direction. Well, I think we need to take a, 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 a holistic look at every facet. And I'm not going to put it on, on, on job. I think there are a lot of issues. And candidly, uh, I was less than impressed with some of the people that did work on the campaign uh, like I oftentimes said, some of the campaign managers couldn't have been a good sergeant in the Detroit Police Department. And so I don't know where these folks come from, what kind of training, but when you're a campaign manager, you have to manage and supervise the campaign. Uh, one such point, you talk about signatures, I was very upset with the campaign manager when he told me we got our signatures in one day before the, the uh, deadline. And then I find out on the day of the deadline, we had 3,500 more signatures that had to be into the Secretary of State in Lansing by 4 p.m. Guess what? Didn't make it there. <laughs> and it, it had no excuse. 3,500 signatures. Not so, that that would have made a difference, but it makes you wonder... What the heck's going on here? Do you feel like your campaign uh, or what it, uh, your your circumstances are a microcosm of the, the issues um, that are plaguing the party in general? Well, absolutely. I've been uh, listening to some of the pundits over the last several days talk about what went wrong and it, and it wasn't this red wave. One thing that was consistent, no plan. No plan. That's and true. I think that is a real issue. No plan. Well, I don't think, you know, let me throw this. I just don't think the party even knows how to talk to itself. Like you got the grassroots who don't want to go with the old school Republicans. And then you get uh, Christina Caramo, let's say, as the secretary of state who thinks, you know, yoga is satanic. And you got Matt DiPerno who's got issues with, um, 
you know, maybe uh, purloining in a, a, a tabulator. He's, he's, he's got some election issues. You got uh, Tudor Dixon, who until you got thrown out of the race, she was polling at like 1%. So the, the, the whole thing here, I've been doing some research over the weekend. About 400,000 and some independents showed up. In 2018, 800,000 independents showed up and 200,000 less Republican-leaning independents showed up this time around and nearly well over 90% of all independents, over 400,000 votes, went for Prop 3 and then Whitmer. So this was... Really, a lot about abortion as a much was as much about enough with the stop the steal, enough with the Trump headache, and we got Tudor Dixon coming out saying no exceptions, unanswered, no money for two months, and a bunch of weak candidates. It seems pretty simple, but when are the Republicans going to figure out to to get together and move to the middle, man? Because they'll get black. it wasn't no red wave and it wasn't no blue wave. It was independent saying we want to be in the middle. Right. And, I, and, you know, Charlie, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, independents matter. And you just can't. One size doesn't fit all. What might work in Florida, what might work in Georgia is not going to work in Michigan. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a, a, a large number of independent voters. And as I look through where Tudor really lost a lot of ground, I know she lost Macomb. She lost Oakland. And just using those two kind of, of course, Wayne County. But I know, for example, in Oakland and Macomb, large base of independent voters, many women who vote, uh, white women who vote. And guess what? Uh, she didn't appeal to them. But I had an opportunity, I believe, to do something that, frankly, none of the other GOP candidates could do. They knew that. And I'm not saying that I would have walked away with it. I mean, certainly Whitmer's a formidable candidate. Uh, she had uh, deep pockets in terms of funding. So, I mean, that would have been a major hurdle to overcome. But I still would have raised more money than the nominee, Tudor Dixon. In fact, I raised more money than she did, even at, to the time that I got taken out. And then, of course... There was no money uh, to raise at that point. But you're right. Uh, some things have to change. And this is why I'm excited about these young, sharp Republicans who honestly get it. I mean, because we've had long talks. Like I said, they reached out to me three, four months ago. And they saw me as a person who could unify the party, bring some common sense. And... Um, they want to continue to follow that track. And I, I committed to them that I would offer whatever little wisdom I have uh, on this and, and be helpful so we can see the party turn around. Chief, do you regret the timing of your departure from the police department and the, and the timing of your announcement? Like, do you think that maybe you could have made a, a, a greater impact at a later time? You know what? That's a great question. And as I reflect, absolutely, yes. I mean, I loved uh, being the police chief here in Detroit. I oftentimes say that the last eight years of my 44 career uh, in Detroit was the best part. And, I, and there was still more work to do. You know, just like as I give in a lot of thought to this whole chairperson's post with the party, I didn't have the latitude to do that. And Charlie, I say this lovingly. Uh, you did your job. Somebody whispered in your ear. And the next thing we know, uh, Craig is running for uh, or considering or running for uh, governor as a GOP candidate. And so, of course, that put me in a, a bit of a, a decision making. I had to make a decision at that point. Uh, because what I would have liked to have done is spent more time really understanding what being a candidate really meant. 
the impact that it would have to me personally. And is that what I really want to do? And again, I saw it as another extension of my years of public service. And that's why I chose to uh, embark on that journey. Well, I apologize about that, but as you know, there's an old saying that no bullshit news hour never sleeps. So, you know. Oh, no. And, and, you know, I'm not, (laughs) you know, everything happens for a reason, but I will tell you this. Yeah, I have some regrets on how it happened. However, I don't regret going through it because it certainly was an eye opener. I met some wonderful people across the state of Michigan. Uh, I'm deeply, deeply thankful. Uh, for those who invested in me as a candidate. So uh, actually, when I look back at it, not a bad deal. And and it, and it has opened some doors uh, for me in terms of maybe looking at some other things that I want to do for the uh, remainder of my professional life. Like maybe run for mayor, something like that? Mayor of Detroit? <laughs> want to announce that here? No, no, no announcement. Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> I just say you get on some boards and you, you, you know, I mean, you open up a security firm and obviously, uh, again, I, the Republicans did not lose. It's like the, the, the whole raft of problems in this country is for 2024. That's a, a national drapery, like crime, the border, inflation. This one was about civil and individual rights. So uh, it, it's not over, but for the life of me, I, you, I just, I just collect my checks and you know tell young people how it works because they don't seem to know how it works. But you know what you didn't do, and <laughs> I'm curious about this. During the general election, you did not, as far as I know, endorse any of the big three on the Republican ticket. If that's correct, why not? That is absolutely correct. Um, you know, one thing I learned from my mom and dad, who have been lifelong. JFK Democrat. And my dad told me something during the campaign. He says, you know, I voted for a Republican governor twice. And I said, I asked him why. He said, well, I, I voted for who I thought was the best candidate. And so that said, um, and I've said it publicly, I think a James Craig, Tom Leonard uh, ticket would have been a great ticket. And the outcome could have very easily been very different. And I just felt that uh, the top three, which set the tone for an election, were not the best candidate. Would you call them nuts? Uh, would you actually use I'm, that I'm term? Gonna, no, I would never say, I would never use that. Publicly. I just say they're not, they're not, they're not the uh, best candidate. And I think part of the party's role is really to identify individuals who can lead and can appeal to the state of Michigan, not just, you know, one facet, one group of, uh, of uh, Republicans. So let's face it, you got far right and you got far left. And those fringe elements are not useful at all. In any kind of way. But they uh, they really determined the direction, early direction of the party. Like, uh, for instance, you look at some exit polling, 30% of those who voted, according to polls, would like to see Trump again. That means 70% don't want to see Trump, but 30%, probably they're all Republicans, obviously. That's enough to get you through the primary, but it's not enough to deliver you a victory. Therefore, this party's in limbo. I think, uh, and, and this is just me putting on, I guess I got a little bit of political experience. I mean, a lot of what this is is common sense. I think we're starting to see a shift. And the shift is that, you know, you've heard that DeSantis' name keeps coming up. Uh, DeSantis has demonstrated that he's a solid governor. You know, he's about the business of leading and governing. And so I think he potentially uh, could be a nominee. I'm not saying that he is, but there are a lot of people that are starting to shift in that direction. So you're saying you think this, he might be the vaccine 
to Trump that if he gets in, you got a you got a real possibility of pulling this new grassroots plus the old school. I believe that's a strong possibility. I'll tell you what, a little breaking I, I news here. I got some breaking news for you. I know DeSantis, they're already putting their team together. The calls have been made here in Michigan. So I, I, I'm about 99% sure the guy's in. Well, that's good news. I think uh, the American people, and this is nothing to take anything away from Trump. I think I will say this about Trump. I think he had some good policies. We were energy independent. You know, we didn't see the inflation that we're seeing now. Not that we wouldn't have had it at some point. Uh, I think one of the, the biggest concerns that uh, especially a lot of moderate-type Republicans have, and most will never say it, is let's stop dividing the party and let's unify. And, and that's the problem. I've been telling everybody, Karen, yeah. you know that. You know, like, this is the most informed and important audience, this No Bullshit News Hour, when I'm giving you the 400,000 independents all breaking blue, like, the way I, I figure if $100 million was spent on the governor's race total, and you're talking about 450,000, 500,000 people, that's $200 a vote. $200 a vote. So it's more than right. just appealing to the moderate, it's, it's the middle. And like where we want to go. Right. So they'd be, well, they'd be wise to know it. it. You, 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 you can't conduct business as it's always been done. You know, it's like what's interesting, and I, I saw this when I transitioned uh, as police chief here in Detroit, and, and this is not a slam, but a reality. Transition. People get stuck in, in, a, in culture. And, and when you... Or you have a every entity has a culture, and generally speaking, people are resistant to change. Fortunate for me, I came from the outside. I saw the the world, the policing world, through a different lens. And so, what made sense to me, many looked at like, "Wow, what the heck is he doing?" And so, there's a way to change that culture without having a negative impact on morale. And that's what needs to happen here because, and, and it takes courage, it takes vision, and it takes someone who's a leader who's, who's unafraid to move forward despite the challenges. I'm just trying to think all that. I'm trying to dial back. To, look, I, I, you went to see Trump. You were struggling with, uh, you know, how you actually – your personal views on abortion, you're trying to figure out the, 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 the mathematics of all that. It seems to me now with, you know, early voting, absentee ballots, that that old math about the Republican sets himself up to the right to get the base and the, the Democrat sets herself up to the left to get the base. And then you worry about coming towards the middle in the general election that the general election season begins in the primary season. So you, like you said, you just got to pretty much figure out who you are and just roll with it. I think that's a lesson, you know, you lesson a good, to be learned. You know, Charlie, you bring a great point. And that was where I was at odds with uh, my early campaign team because the thought was focus on GOP areas of the state disregard places that, that typical Republican candidates can't win, like my home of Detroit, Wayne County. And I rejected that. I said, it makes no sense to me. I live in Detroit. I've worked in Detroit, so I'm supposed to ignore Detroit. And then after I get through a primary, pop up out of a box and say, hey, everybody, I'm back. <laughs> you know, well, to me, I get the strategy, but it's a, it's, to me, the strategy is flawed because one thing you said, Charlie, what you say then, you have to be consistent. So you're going to talk one way going into a primary and then do a hard right turn because you know you got to get the independent. 
you got to get some. I mean, heck, I think I had a good opportunity to get some of the um, some of the Democrats. Many Democrats approached me. Chief, do you believe that just hitching your train to Trump actually cost you? I, I because I sincerely believe that people in Detroit, which are you know overwhelmingly Democratic, would have supported you as a Republican but not as a supporter of Trump. Do you think that that cost you uh, support in, in, in Detroit? I think that, and you know, I would never know because I yeah, didn't we're never going to know. Um, but, but I will say this. I think some, some, uh, you know, small minded folk will say, well, we didn't know he was a Republican. He betrayed us. And to me, when you're a police chief, or when you're applying for the, uh, the position, they don't ask you your party affiliation. You know, you're public servant. I serve Republicans, Democrats, independents, all the same. It doesn't matter. I don't get in I mean, every city I've worked in, they've been run by Democrat mayors, city councils. So I've always worked in the environment. But what I do think, uh, it's one thing when people say, well, are you a Trump? And I say, no, I'm James Craig. I'm running as James Craig. That doesn't mean that I didn't respect some of the policies that, you know, Trump uh, deployed. Absolutely. However, <laughs> I also understand the whole notion of the, the election was stolen. And there's been no tangible proof. Look, I've been a, a, a police officer. I mean, I've launched uh, audits to get to find the truth of whatever we're looking at. So to just take this haphazard, the election was stolen. And then, you know, I, I just, to me, I said it publicly. I said, well, if Trump gave you an endorsement, would you accept it? Absolutely, I would accept it. But I'm running not as Trump. I'm running as James Craig for the state of Michigan. See, but you got put in a trick bag because I remember you like NBC would come here and everybody, nobody would ask you anything really what's going on in Michigan. They ask you it's stolen and you couldn't say no. You know, I mean, you're trying to wrestle with it um, because he stood so prominently like that and you didn't want to light the base on fire. But you did go to, I remember we reported you went to Mar-a-Lago to meet with the man. Yes. Um, yes. But what's interesting is you went with party leadership, did you not? I did. Which, I absolutely did. Which is a no-no, not for you, but for the party leadership. They're not supposed to show favoritism or usher people in and out. Is that true as well? That is true. I've come to learn that as well. And then that same party leader opted to go jump on somebody else's campaign. And when that and started so, getting out, did they advise you the to inconsistency? Huh? When when that started getting out that they were there with you or that you were going, what were you advised to do? Be quiet, lie, admit it, what? Well, you know, you know what's interesting about that? Uh, I remember being at the convention and I guess a rumor started circulating that I would be meeting with Trump. And so I got a call from a, a local newspaper. And the reporter asked me straight out, he said, uh, there's a rumor going around the conference. Are you meeting with Trump? And I said, absolutely. What are you going to talk about? I said, well, I'm not going to get into the specifics. I don't know why the conversation will go. So after the conversation, I spoke to uh, my then consultant. He said, why did you have to tell that? Why did you have to... Uh, say that you were going. I said, because if I said anything else, it would have been a lie. And it's not like it would have been a secret. As soon as I got off the plane, somebody would have seen me or somebody would have saw me going into my libel. It's not a secret. You know, and so I just, that's the kind of stuff that doesn't do well with me. You mean uh, being advised to lie? Politics one being advised a lot. Why'd you have to do it? Why'd you have to say it? Well, I could have chosen to just not pick up the phone. I didn't know what I didn't know that the reporter was gonna had heard there was a rumor. 
But what was I going to tell the reporter? Oh, w- wait a minute, uh, Mr. Reporter. Uh, let me call my campaign manager and see if it'd be okay for me to tell the truth. Come on now. I didn't do that. Come on now. I didn't do that as a police chief. That's right. I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't do it as a police chief. So what makes anybody think what they should have done and they should have did their homework? What on. a dirty world. What a stinking, dirty pile of crap politics is. Now, when you went to Mar-a-Lago, did you see a bunch of nuclear secrets laying around in envelopes? No, no, I didn't. Oh, just, just Actually, checking. I spent, I spent, um, I spent about an hour with the president. Uh, I thought the meeting was was a good meeting. Uh, he certainly acknowledged the work that uh, we did here in Detroit, particularly during 2020. He was uh, very much aware of it, and so we talked about that and also talked about the importance of a Trump endorsement and the impact that can have. Now, I know uh, we promised you because uh, you got a job interview or you're doing some some high-level business there today, but before we let you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting, in fact, I got to really, yeah, I got I to gotta shut down, but it, it's been good talking to you both. And, one more uh, quick one, one more quick one, sir, before we go. Like the, the Detroit uh, Police Department, had, uh, DPOA, Detroit Police Officers Association, has a new contract. Uh, which, you know, basically will be more or less $10,000 raise immediately and 4% increases over the next four years. Uh, what do you make of the contract? Well, let me just say this. I'm excited for uh, uh, the police officers in Detroit. Uh, long, long overdue. I know when I came in, uh, Bing had, they didn't call it defund the police then, but they were basically defunded. Uh, I think it was, 10% of their pay was taken away from them. And, you know, the morale was down. So, you know, of course, we went through the bankruptcy. And it's been a, a constant struggle uh, to keep trying to get the officers more money. I was fortunate that I was able to create a bunch of new ranks, like the detective rank, corporal rank, neighborhood police officers. Um, those, those things matter. And so I'm happy to see it, uh, but it's still going to take more. I mean, it's not just the money. And then one thing I've learned about policing, you know, police officers are not, you're never going to be, I don't care what department you work for, you're not going to be rich, rich being a police officer. You do it because you're called to do it. However, one of the small things that police officers want is to be treated fairly, consistently, and support it. And those things absolutely matter and make the difference. And when uh, police officers feel that leadership genuinely cares, you know, and then as the department begins to become better, and then you see ranking members of the department get picked up by other major cities, that's really a testament that the police departments and going in the right direction. Yeah, some, something so ain't I, right here, though, with this budget. You know, I mean, it's about, let's, let's just general numbers, about $370 million now with this new contract, the police budget. But if you go back to 2019, the police budget was about, you know, your last full year was about $330 million. And when you factor right, in the inflation, they're actually cutting the police budget. So I'm thinking... There's going to be less officers here, plus no funding mechanism for it. Do you get that vibe? Well, I get it because when you factor in inflation, even though you're getting a raise, what's the, the real impact? And I, I don't have time to noodle numbers out. I know you've taken a, an opportunity to look at it. So that is a real fact. I mean, with eight, whatever the inflation rate is today, 8.4, and then you've gotten a, a percentage raise. Where does that fit in the real scheme of things? And I think the real test, Charlie, and again, I'm happy and excited that Detroit police officers got a raise, but the real test will see, will it slow down the attrition? And if it does slow down the attrition, you know, raise was a factor. And so well, I guess we have to wait and see. Wait and see. All right, I guess Karen and I will continue that discussion as you go off into the 
wild blue yonders of high finance and corporate chieftainship. We wish you the best. Huh? Thanks for being on. And Charlie, uh, thank you again. Okay, sir. Don't forget about the little people, Chief. <laughs> oh, no, no. I'm a little person. Don't worry about it. I'm one of you. We're all in the same bucket. Sure. Yeah, they, all right. He said, fuck it. <laughs> okay. okay. I didn't hear that last one. What did you say, Charlie? Did you say bucket or fuck it? No, 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 I didn't say that. I said we're all in I said we're all in the same bucket. Oh. <laughs> Just a bunch of crabs pulling each other in every time somebody trying to get out the bucket. All right, well, it was great talking to you both. Watch the orange cones. <laughs> all right, talk to you soon. See ya. Well, that was instructive, Karen. He's not running. Yeah. yeah, well, you know, but let's see what happens. But it's interesting because he sees value in the younger demographic of uh, the Republicans. But those are the ones, in my opinion, that kind of messed up his campaign. You know, I think about the, the Bill Al announcement. You know, I mean, these these were people that were clearly still wet behind the ears when it when it when it came to politics. Um, you know, the jumping on the bandwagon. I mean, loyalty matters in politics. So, um, you know, it's interesting, but I think that, you know, his his campaign was a microcosm of, of the issues plaguing um, the Republicans in general. I mean, they, they don't they don't have a brand. They don't know who they are. They're running all over the place. They're doing stuff that they shouldn't do. Um, and just everybody is building their own. Yeah. And it's just like, I mean, that, that wasn't that was the value of like, we don't need to relive. Like, look, that guy didn't even he wasn't even the nominee. So it wasn't like trying to relive what he lived through it was like what did you see right yeah not not only in the general but where you're going forward and i, th I think it's interesting because he's a was well, a novice and what it, and what did we learn what did we see what did he see what did we learn uh, as a res as a result so and what's going to happen next i mean you got to remember before he announced his candidacy for governor um he had huge overwhelming support here in the city of detroit as police chief so you know everybody is interested so now what, you know, what, what are you going to do with that interest and commitment that you had as police chief that you expressed as a gubernatorial candidate? Now what? So I think that was a fair interview. That, that, that crew asked me, that Republican young wet behind the ears crew about the chief, just, you know, came to me and asked me and anybody comes to me, I'll, I'll tell you. But I said, well, guys, you have probably one of the most sophisticated media personalities like the guy knows media and if you're going to do that like it worked for whitmer you just put her in a box right airbrush her lacquer it up here's your answers <clears throat> he's not going to be that kind of candidate he's going to be right. the kind of candidate just let him shoot from the hip let him actually speak what's a don't ask him to Try to think about abortion. Let him just say it. Don't, you know, do, just let him be let him. him. And they did it. And they did it. Yeah, well, that's 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 what happens. And and and, and you see. But um, it, it'll, it'll be interesting as to where he lands. I, I, I know he's got a lot of admiration and respect uh, amongst some power brokers here in the state. So it, it, it'll be interesting. You know what else is interesting? Because we were talking about the, about the uh, police contract. You aware of this thing at all? I mean, he brought up Bing, and, and it was you, by the way, like, you know, cut, cutting the police. That was no, you. No, that's not, that's not true, Charlie. Well, you, no, you know what I mean. I mean, like, yeah, you're right. You're right. right. I mean, but no, you're in never, that, never. that was your window of, see, you know a lot about it. So I'm, I suspect you know something about this current contract. What do you know? Well, and, and, what I'm, and what I'm hearing, Charlie, is that it, too, is a crapshoot, that they are banking on projected uh, income revenue, uh, income tax revenue to help fund this. Um, yeah, uh, Corley um, expressed at the, the council meeting Irv last is, week Irv, that- Irv, they, Irv is the financial Irv, analyst, Irv, right? Irv Corley. The, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, the financial for analyst the city for the council. city. Irv, Irv Corley, for city council, Irv Corley, um, indicated that if, in fact, that passed, you know, that went through as a line item on Wednesday, that they would have a challenge in meeting that financial obligation. So, you know, I talked to a couple of council people. Um, one said, well, we believe that having more and better paid officers will create a safer city and people will begin to relocate and come and build their businesses. And I said, yeah, but that's all speculative. You know, I mean, so I, this is going to be interesting. I mean, it, it sounds good. It reads well. 
but the money is not there, Charlie. It's not there. So the the budget for this is trickle down policing economics, like pretty much. And we got to right? think about it, this too. If the city I, gets I, safer, I, then the more business will be done, and then we can pay, pay the police. But that's it, because I had another city council member um, who made a point of saying, you know, there there are businesses that are coming in, but there are also businesses that are closing and that are leaving. Like that's not really a viable strategy upon which to build a budget for one of the most important components of our city, and that's law enforcement. So it's kind of a close your eyes and, and, and roll the dice. What happened to the, the this $840 million in COVID relief that Biden sent Detroit for whatever reason? I mean- We got speed bumps. <laughs> that's right. You know, LA got a billion, Philly got a billion, Chicago got a billion, New York got a billion, and Detroit got a billion. So- the president himself, when as crime has just skyrocketed, urged these municipalities to spend the money on policing. So you're telling me that Irv is reporting and you're listening that we're not actually using money we have in the bank to fund this, that it's all unicorns and, and candy canes. Well, you can pull up, you know, the, the hearing because the hearing was rebroadcast and that's when I heard it. And he said, if we were to approve this today, and this was a uh, week before last, not last week, because it was approved on Wednesday, uh, the day after Election Day. He said, we will have a challenge meeting this financial obligation. And as I was telling the, telling the chief, the actual real dollar, you know, the, the, the real budget has decreased. So one thing is not only keeping police we have, we don't have enough police. So there's no money in there for more police or more, you know, no, anything. And that's and that's the thing, Charlie, you brought it up and so did the chief in terms of his concern about there being fewer police officers. He's talking about attrition, but you got to think, you know, in terms of balancing a budget or a, a budgeted amount of money, maybe you're giving more money to fewer police officers. Does that really make the city safer? I have to tell you this, too. This morning, I got a call from a school that had a, um, a bomb threat, uh, not a bomb threat, a, a, a threat of violence. It was circulating on social media. And the superintendent of the district called um, the Detroit Police Department. And they took a report over the phone and gave them a number. And I said, did they advise you what to do with somebody coming out? You know, what are the protocols? They said, no, absolutely nothing. Wow. You know, and I was just, because there's hocus pocus with, with this this budget, what's going on? We got a pension explosion coming next year. I think we're cutting police, moving money over to that, you know, that that pension holding account. Mm -hmm. and pension obligation. Yeah, yeah, we're not we're not really getting anything. But I, I for the people of of Michigan, of, of spe specifically Detroit, there's a study that I was reading yesterday, and it's of all the extended metropolitan areas. So greater Detroit, greater Chicago, greater New York, greater Los Angeles, et cetera, et cetera. And it's about <laughs> gross domestic product growth. It's basically the economy, right? Of, okay. of all of the, the, the 50 major urban areas. And out of 50, the Detroit area ranks 47th in growth. We're only ahead of Memphis, Virginia Beach, and Milwaukee. Now, there's only four metropolitan areas where the economy has shrunk, and we're okay. one of them. Hmm. So when you're giving me skyscrapers and unfunded police budgets, uh, I'm just, I'm, again, this is the most informed, this is the most important audience, that's the fact. That is a fact, Charlie. But you know, again, it's 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 it's, it's, a, it's sometimes it's a shell game, and if you're the only person that's picking up the shells to see what's under it, then nobody else knows. It all looks good, and everything's moving fine, and and, and, and we're doing the we're doing the the cupid shuffle around here. Damn. Well, okay. Listen, uh, we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. I don't know why I'm in the desert in my underpants. I don't know why these wolves are following me, but I need sausage. A good wiener is hard to find. 
so make sure you treat it kind. Sausage. You may run with a pack, but everything ain't meant to be said. Sausage. No need to cross the desert. No need to cross eight miles. Who these wolves be? Get back, bitch. Sausage. Order a Coney kit directly to your door at AmericanConeyIsland.com. Yeah, and you best all hurry up and order those Coney kits. AmericanConeyIsland.com. The high season's upon us. We are moving the freezers, moving into the new warehouse. Get in there first. Get it. Ooh. Don't don't be making me work late. It's the holidays. <laughs> Dozen dogs, all the fixings, just like Red did. Look at that. You go to the club, you smoke your weed. <laughs> you have your. You don't want to drive around. Exactly. Eat the sausage. <laughs> AmericanConeIsland.com. Um, just real quick, Karen, on that when we're talking about the budget, and then we'll move on here and get out of here. Um, Freedom of Information Act. I asked the city in the last ten years. I need a list. Of all the money you gave away, all the tax breaks, all the subsidies, cash payments that the city gave to developers, I need a list of what the county gave them within the Detroit city limits, which naturally you would have. And I need to know what the state gave them within the Detroit city limits. Naturally, you'd have that. your jurisdiction. That would be skyscrapers, hockey arenas, uh, apartment complexes, et cetera, et cetera. Let me read you the, the answer I got here. Real quick, the Housing and Redevelopment Department does not have data relating to the amount or value of each incentive. What? They don't have any records of it. Then they said, uh, you'll have to get a hold of the county and the state if you want to know what they gave away. They, they have no record. They have no record. Wow. It's, I don't I'm believe telling that, you, Carl. people. That's, you, do you believe that, Karen? You... We're yeah. the shadow mayor of this city. That's not true, is it? No, it's not true. And especially because that's something that this administration continues to tout as an accomplishment. Look what we're doing. Look at all these. So, no, I, I, I disagree with that. I, yeah. I just, I, they're it's just, the, they're, they're, they're fumbling your FOIA. That's what they're doing. They, yeah, you would think housing and redevelopment, all the money, projections, et cetera. At the, you open that file cabinet and the number one document is the total of all the deals. This is garbage. So you just have to know what's going on, Charlie. That makes absolutely no sense at all. If nobody knows, then that's an even bigger problem. That's the official legal response from the city. We don't know. If you don't know, you're fucking gone. Yeah. But y'all continue to do what you're going to do. I'm just letting the independent and minded people not be fooled by an ice cream parlor <laughs> or, you know, a couple of pieces of steel going up. This thing's empty. <laughs> And as you know, that report, our gross domestic product in this region is one of four major metropolitan regions where it's shrinking. And that's not company where we want to be at. Wow. And, and, and Charlie, let me say this. I don't want people to think that, you know, we're anti Detroit. We're anti progress. We're just always looking for something that's wrong. No, what we want you to understand is what's really going on. So it's not criticizing anybody. It's not personal. It's not an attack. But you deserve to make decisions in your life for your family and for your community based on fact and not what somebody is just presenting to you as fact, which has no truth or substance to it. That's it. That's that's the basis of, of, of our conversations our interviews and the information that we bring forward. That's it. hundred percent. Because why are we living the way we're living? This is why over and over again. Oh no, we love, look, I'm watching my beloved losers, the Detroit Lions. I'm watching it and reading these fucking reports. That's my <laughs> Sunday. Well, well Lions held the bear Poor end Charlie. of the bargain. Yeah, man, the Barely. Bears just gave that away. Sure. I mean, geez. Well, we still had to take it. You know, okay, okay fine. <laughs> I mean, this is the Lions we're talking about. Fine. Okay, one more real quick one. <laughs> Michigan uh, angles up the wazoo. Big financial meltdown going down. One of the largest uh, cryptocurrency trading houses, right? Yep, uh, an exchange. An exchange, mm -hmm. FTX, declared bankruptcy on Friday. 
right? Hmm. Yeah, and people might know FTX from their Super Bowl commercials with Larry David or Tom Brady. They have a... Um, um, affiliation with Major League Baseball and the Miami Heat's arena. I mean, they they were just all over the place. Multi-billion. And here, we put them up on the screen. This guy <laughs> who decides to show up with, you know, President uh, Clinton <laughs> yeah. decides he can't put on some pants, right, or a shirt, which is cool with me. But, dude, you got to work on the bod. Hey, and get a haircut. If you're, you're going to show up like that, get some calf muscles, some some rippling <laughs> biceps. Comb your fucking hair. Uh, that guy ran a, a scheme. <laughs> the fucking Ponzi. It went bankrupt. So it's important. He gave $40 million to, He's like one of the largest political contributors in this cycle. $40 million, right? Mm -hmm. Mostly to Democrats. And poof, his exchange went up. Now, what did we find out? He had, what is it, like a uh, trading fund on this crypto stuff also. Yeah. That worked in the exchange. They couldn't meet their obligations, so he's taking money from the exchange, not money, coin, yeah, crypto his, coin. His own token. Worth mm -hmm. billions, and he's moving it over to backstop the trading. Alameda, yeah. Right. Yeah. Move, he's the shell game. He's moving his own tokens around, his own money that he made up to pay off other things. Oh, that's... And he got busted, and he got busted by one of the other exchanges. Who holds, you know, some some so stock in his money. exchange? Yeah, yeah. Well, the, but I, I, at least someone is doing due diligence on these um, exchanges and these crypto things, and it just happens to be another crypto exchange. This one from China. Now, yeah, exactly. Now, the the whole thing here with this guy, uh, Sam Bankman Fried and Flip Flop Fried. That's yeah. what we're gonna call him. <laughs> showing up in flip flops, President. I thought it was, thought it was bank fraud. I thought it was bank fraud. Oh, there you go. Sam you bank go. fraud, yeah. flip flop, <laughs> flip flop, bank fraud. This fucking guy. So this crypto world is not very much regulated. Right. And so they're behaving like they're like a Wall Street exchange and they're dealing in futures and derivatives. Let me tell you, like a synthetic derivative. Stay with me, people. Did you know? Remember the housing crisis and all those bundles of mortgages and somebody would buy it? That would be the instrument. But did you know during that time that you could bet on that bundle failing without even owning it? That you you could go to an investment house like Lehman Brothers or AIG. I think a, there were bets on AIG. Exactly, yeah. and you could bet on it. it. Has nothing to do with you. Yeah, that's what was going on here. A hippie, you you did that right. Get in the mic. Did you do that? <laughs> yeah. 100%. So you would actually, like, where would you do it? Online? You'd go to this? Yeah, just a little app. I mean, they're bankrupt now, and they closed. And <laughs> they took what little money I had left in there, but yeah. So they were just taking gambles. They were taking gambles. And basically what we're saying here is, like, flip-flop bankrupt freed here is, like, uh, I think crypto is going to go through the roof because inflation's going up, so people are going to want it, not dollars. And it didn't happen. The interest rate went down, and all of a sudden... He couldn't pay the bet. I, I would assume so. Yeah. Did yeah. you Did you ever do one where you didn't get the bet paid? One hundred percent. There was a couple. I, so I, they went I, bankrupt, and you lost your money. <laughs> I didn't put much in. I was, I was doing you know pennies on the dollar, just hoping. Oh, maybe this might be the next Doge. Does this Whatever, twenty <laughs> bucks? Maybe twenty million? Who knows? Does this whole thing even need to be regulated? Why don't we just let dopes lose their money? I mean, <laughs> let's bet on not. I it's mean, what's what? Hope, Charlie. It's the hope, and that's how people get taken advantage of. Just, just like Jesus said, you know, he's hoping that, that pennies on the dollar, twenty dollars, twenty million. That's what gets people tied into this stuff because they're just they're banking on hope. I'm not gonna tell you what Noacki told me, but let's just say I didn't lose no money on crypto. <laughs> I don't get like crypto is fake, right? It's like yeah, we'll we'll take our dollars that we don't like, yeah. and we'll buy crypto. And then we'll start dealing in crypto. And the minute I want out of crypto, I'll take the dollars that I never wanted before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is, is, is this what we're doing? Because some other dopes came in after you. Yeah, no yeah. flip-flops in here throwing money around. Like, you know what? We need to legislate this thing. That's that's his. He was pushing for rules and regulations, right? Yeah. And the rules and regulations would create markets like the NASDAQ and uh, the, the, the New York, New York Times yeah, Stock Exchange. NYSE. Right? Uh -huh. And that his company was going to be one. Mm -hmm. That's what he was. He was helping write the law. He was lobbying <laughs> for the law. And that's why he's spending all that money. And who was head of the agriculture committee in the Senate that 
Who? He was helping write the law. Debbie Stabenow of the great state of Michigan, to which he gave this cycle $28,000 in contributions, and she wasn't even running. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> now they're pushing. This is the reason we really got to get this thing voted on. I would suggest, pep, 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 pep. Why don't we take a second look at what crap? Because every time, Karen, in Washington, they come up with some crap like this, we get wiped out somehow. Yeah, this is true, Charlie. But again, nobody's paying attention and everybody is just going along to get along. Uh, legislation is being paid for. Support is being uh, bought. And this is where it leads us. By a shiesty flip-flop bankrupt, dude? <laughs> With no muscles. own a pair of pants? How can you believe in crypto when you can't buy fucking long pants? Huh? Because that costs money. Here, check out my Bitcoin, huh? Forget about it. He's not spending on, on clothing. I don't know what he's doing with all that. But, now, but in all seriousness, there's about $1.8 billion missing. So people think that he and his girlfriend, who ran Alameda, research have just moved it and offshore. He's, he's gone yeah his whole shit's off he's based in bahamas the bahamas too so he's not even in oh, that's why he's not wearing pants <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's why yeah well there's another so mission. you'll ne- you'll never find you'll never find the money it'll never no. be found no uh-uh here's another little little michigan connection okay the the um name of the commission underneath the agriculture department that they would want to look after this is the commodities futures trading commission. So all these little exotic bets that hippies making and stuff all started with agriculture, corn. I'm a farmer. I want to lock in $4 a bushel. I'll find somebody that'll make a gamble. Uh, in 30 days from now, you'll pay me four. If it's three, right? Yep. You're betting on futures. Mm-hmm. Then the farmer won because he got a dollar more. If it's five, then the guy that Bet him just won the buck. Exactly. That's how this. That's why it's, it's agriculture. So the the head of this commission, her name is Christy Goldsmith Romero, said last month that the market's opaque, complex, leveraged, and underregulated products re- resemble the dangers from the 2008 financial crisis. Oh, <laughs> Christy Goldsmith Romero. Hmm. 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 How do I know that? Hmm. Oh, yeah. She used to be the inspector general for the Troubled Asset Relief Program from the U.S. Treasury, the bailout money that we got a half a billion dollars from to do our demolitions. Hmm. So she was on the ass of Mayor Mike Duggan, who's a real good friend of Stabenauss, see? It's all connected. And when... Mike Duggan, it starts to heat up. We got grand juries. He fires one of the directors of the demolition program. Romero's agents get on a plane to go talk to the guy right now because the iron is hot. Hmm. She fired them all. She fired the agents. I got the dossier. This is a trip. I got an envelope. No markings, no postal date, no, no postage, no nothing. I got a manila envelope on my porch with the internal documents, what was going on in D.C., wow. in, in Treasury, and all of the bullshit that was going on around, hey, man, it's hot, something really bad's going on with Detroit and the demolitions, and you notice how it's kind of like no one's talking about it. It's kind of gone. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, you see how all this works, and, and now we're going to have her yeah. Be the chief regulator of this Crypto opaque exchanges. and very yeah, difficult world so. when you couldn't figure out where dirt was coming from. Yeah. Now you're going to track down crypto. Yeah. Yeah. Fight, That's how it goes. Fight the fucking power. I mean, I'm just, I'm just glad the person that dropped that manila envelope got the right address. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't leave it at your neighbor. That's weird when shit's showing up on your porch. You're, oh, like, yeah. you're like, I'm in a movie. That's kind of exciting. I was going to say, Charlie, aren't you concerned about that? I mean, that's kind of, you know, it's cryptic, but it's also kind of scary. Did you say crypto? Cryptic. That too. Yeah, it's, well, you know, I mean, that's the life. So like you said, it's only out of love. It's only for your kids. It's it's good decisions. It, it's, I hope that it's weird listening to me and Karen. Because we actually do live it. And we want to share it with you. And I, I, I dare you to find somebody loves this place more than Karen Dumas. Are you kidding? I got a kid coming up. Y'all got businesses. I'm not leaving. We can fight for it. 
You can try, Charlie. That's the, all we can do is just to try, you know, and, and I thank all the people that send us messages and, you know, tweets and all that stuff to let us know that they at least appreciate it. And I hope it impacts their decisions going forward. And keep the envelopes coming. Here's a new ending by our guy, Byron Goggin. It's pretty cool. See y'all Thursday. Y'all want to see this, you just go to YouTube, look up LaDuff, No Bullshit News Hour. You can always find it on my Facebook page. Sometimes we put it on Twitter. And remember, go to wherever you get your... Where do, where, where do you get fucking... Podcasts? Yeah. Wherever you get them. Uh, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify. You go to the app, you click it. Put in no BS news hour. And hit subscribe and five stars and say yeah. really nice things, right? Yeah, exactly. Or five stars and say mean things. I don't care what you say. I just, I just want the five stars. I don't stars. even look. I'm busy. <laughs> get a life. <laughs> Peace.